The Brandon Peters Show may contain explicit language and detailed plot points. For more information on the show, stay tuned to the end of the episode. Here's Brandon. Welcome back to Old Space Show. I am Brandon, and this is my companion, Stephen Shapansky. Hello there. Hello there. This series of Old Space Show follows the intergalactic swashbuckling escape antics of Raj Blake and his ruffian crew in the first season of Blake's Seven. Today, we're discussing the fourth episode, Time Squad. On their way to attack the Federation communications complex on the planet Saurian Major, Blake answers the distress call of a mysterious projectile drifting in space and takes it on board the Liberator. Can his crew simultaneously blow up the Federation's nervous system and face the consequences of returning bodies frozen in time to life? All right, this one is directed by Pennant Roberts. Written by Terry Nation, the, that's the credit, uh, <laughs> as we say every time, yep. that's, that's what's credited. Uh, the cast of this episode, Gareth Thomas, Sally, Little Nivette. Red, Little Red Navette. I was gonna, yeah. yep. <laughs> good work, I know, you've been working on it. I've well been done. practicing, yep. Steve and I had a rehearsal, it's good. Uh, Paul Darrow, Jan Chapel, Michael Keating, David Jackson, and the voice of Peter Tuttenham. Tuttenham? Dudnam. 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 Dudnam as Zen. And uh, here we are um, in this episode that, Stephen, I feel it it seems like two story ideas got smashed into one. (laughs) This is, uh, it it reminds, you know, there's, um, I mean, we get get Callie at the end of this. uh, Spoiler alert. We, Mm -hmm. We finally have our seven. They even say, I know, I think we could probably do seven to run this while we're six. Oh, you're missing Zen. I think, okay, thanks. Here we go. We got, we got the reason for the name of the show at the end of it. Uh, but I almost feel like already they're kind of spinning their wheels a little bit. I don't know. It feels, this one feels very much like, well, let's just get the seventh in here and maybe we'll try to sort of bridge it around some attacking, some communications depot and maybe, well, we need something to happen on, on the liberator. So I guess some time squad, which I guess is the name of the title, you know, the title significance is that they're the squad from time because they're frozen in time. I don't Mm -hmm. know, but they're all just like, you know, they're all extras that nobody speaks. They're all just (laughs) become like rampaging monsters for some reason. You want to be on TV this week? Let's put some crap on your face. (laughs) Exactly. That attack Jedi and Gan. And it's just like, uh, it, it, it does feel like an exercise of we need to get the set, the seventh person in or don't, we don't quite know how to do it. Cause Callie like shows up halfway through the episode. Mm -hmm. It's not like she's even a part of it, uh, up until then. It's a, it's a weirdly paced, uh, episode. This one, I thought, yeah, I, with the, the, the ship i uh stopped for a moment i said ah it's the old we found a ship adrift in space full of bodies and cryogenic sleep episode yep 
So, that old chestnut, yeah. That old sci-fi trope. But yeah, um, that's where we're at with this. They they give <laughs> we got to have something for the people on the ship to do. We have to figure a way to work in a new character, and uh, it's also it's just our, this is our first like real rock quarry episode. <laughs> I think it, uh, I, I know uh, it's Sing Sing Alpha. Sing Alpha. It's yeah, really dark though. That's true. Kinda, Daylight kinda, quarries is are different than nighttime quarries. Yeah, indeed. I was like, yeah, I was like, Cygnus Alpha. It, it was you know not paved road or grass but uh this this truly felt like the traditional sci-fi rock quarry uh, mm-hmm. type of and they they put like a red filter over everything to make it feel like a you know, <laughs> different planet yeah basically gallifrey from the invasion of time did the same filter <laughs> yes. shot around the same time as i recall yeah. too. oh my gosh yes it's true um yeah so yeah th- this one um we we learn more about we do get some character development here while we were entering a new one. We get something stuff about Gan, how he because he has this confessional with Jetta, because Gan and Jetta get left on the ship. Yeah. And you know, she's flashing her newest <laughs> sci-fi wear. We'll get used to that over the next couple seasons, but mm-hmm. yes. Yeah. She's celebrating her newest eighties or late seventies, early eighties sci-fi wear. Yeah. Um, but he apparently was put into jail because some, you know, a Federation security guard killed his woman. I love that. It's it's like it's like Gan is suddenly like some old blues guy to go, he and, killed my woman. It's just like, all right, like, this is what wonderful dialogue that is. I'm not too sure. Which is funny <laughs> because uh in this one, I I mean, I I, I think I've I've praised uh Chris Boucher before. Uh, for his script editing, mm-hmm. uh, inserting little bits of, of humor and lines and great lines and stuff. And I, I didn't feel like there was much in, in the first three episodes. But this one is great because uh, you could tell he's in there. Because everyone's <laughs> sort of like the very beginning of the episode. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, everyone's going, oh, you know, we make a pretty good team. And then, you know, everyone's like feeling gung-ho. And then the brilliant cynicism of Avon coming, well, hooray for us. That was, I, <laughs> I, I got a cackle out of me. <laughs> uh, and I sense Chris Boucher all the way. And then and Gan at some later on in the scene goes to Jenna. You know, there's there's no way that the Federation could catch up. And Avon again goes, Well, Blake will find a way, I'm sure, or something like that. Like just the bite, the bite from Avon, courtesy, I think, of Chris Boucher, yeah. really starts to come through. Obviously, I don't think Chris Boucher would have had a line, well, he killed my woman. I does that doesn't feel like it comes from no. his pen, but uh, but there are other good lines in the episode. Yeah. Chris Boucher's like speaking to us through Avon through all this. That's where yeah. it comes through. And that's, I mean, Paul, yeah, Paul Darrow, easy scene stealer. Like, you know, he's, he's almost villain like, but you know, he's, he's kind of funny. Yeah. And he's one of our, he's one of our team here. You know, he's got the heart of gold um, with everything, but um, yeah. So again, he also, like he mentions, he has something implanted in him that he can't kill people now. Yeah. The limiter or something, which makes him pull a funny face whenever he thinks about things that are violent. Yes, yes. Uh, and Jenna's got not nothing to say there, but her show off her amazing space boots. That Great outfit. In this week. Great outfit. Probably my favorite season one outfit. Uh, uh, purple Jenna, pants. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's the, the fashionista of the of the Blake seven crew. Mm-hmm. This the, the smuggler smuggler fashion, because that's what that's her role. Right. She was the that, smuggler. Yep. So. Um, Kind of yeah, definitely kind of funny. Um, but you know, while all this is going on, that you know, there's a there's a ship 
brought brought on board, which Jenna and Blake have to transport onto where these bodies we've been talking about come from. And we find out that the transporter can't just transport you like in the middle of a solid object or something because they transport in cramped into a small place. So they go in standing straight and they're cramped in. So we learned something about the transport that it'll fit you into wherever you're trying to go. <laughs> yeah, I know. How awkward is that? It's like, the like how would that feel in transport? Like, oh, geez, I'm suddenly, what am I bending over? Oh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, uh, yeah. Yeah, they, uh, they, they do, they bring the bodies over, which, yeah, this, we had, I mean, back, early days of Old Space Show, we had this episode um, mm-hmm. of, you know, the cryogenic body. It had Christopher Lee in it, and they, they got up and did a lot more than... Mm-hmm than these people but um yeah it's like generic sci-fi a plot and b plot almost kind of put together yeah in this thing because the the rock quarry story is just pretty much there's is callie where (laughs) she's an empath and just callie yep empath yep and she you know turn you know yeah holds blake up and then he turns the table on her and Avon, Villa, and Blake who go down because um, they're going to what destroy a communications thing or something. What was their uh, mission down there? Destroying some communicate, yeah, some random yeah. communications thing, yeah. Which will be the plot of another episode down the road too. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, and we get some more of Villa in action. We get to see him uh, his lock picking skills as he he opens the safe down on that planet. But um, yeah, this is them integrating Callie, who's uh, of the last of her people into like a failure to them uh, with her mission, which is how she said she has nowhere else to go, but mm-hmm. the liberator and crew. Cause she can't go back to her people. No, it's kind of, it's kind of like how Dr. Who picks up companions. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. you, well, you've, you're stranded on this planet. You have no family. Uh, so what are your options? Starvation <laughs> or come with us. And so, Oh, I guess I guess we're part of the crew now, and that's pretty much how she she comes along. So you know, good for her. Yeah, so, yep, a new uh, a new member of the gang, and you know they bring her on, and uh, there's a like the the so the the end of this is kind of silly how they <laughs> put together this speech of their. There should have been a lesson we all learned from, or there's that. There should have been a lesson we all learned from this somewhere. Like that, I, is that like? That's got to be Boucher comment having some commentary on this episode or something. <laughs> Maybe I because it's funny. It, it was made second. This one. That's what feels weird to me about it right? is that it feels like the other episodes that came before it but were made after it felt a little more assured. This one is like, yeah, okay, we're out of the gate. Let's introduce our introduce our our last cast member, and it does feel like they've kind of already sort of hit a wall creatively like what is this show going to be about yeah i almost i almost feel like the um and we'll get to this in a couple weeks when we talk about episode six but it feels like they're well i mean we got to fight the federation i guess and it just sort of seems like perfunctory like well let's just put random communications hub with random non-speaking extras it seems to be the uh the uh, the theme of the thing there's there's literally no one else speaks in this episode apart from the uh the 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 regulars and the new regulars in, in terms right of yeah so there's there's no real threat there's no real threat from the the weird guys who awake from the sh- the, the uh from frozen 
and the guards in the outfits are basically just the same guards that we see in the opening title sequence and they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're featureless, they're characterless. And it just feels like they're, they're fighting a faceless federation at this point. And it doesn't really carry that much weight to it. Um, and it's, and let's face it, it's the last time we see that because the next time we see the federation, it very much has a face, perhaps two different faces and, uh, it, and it becomes a much more, uh, focused, I think, interaction between them. But at this point, it's not quite there. Yeah, just I think like just casually watching it that would have flown by. But when I'm doing it for a show to talk about and have notes, and a, that line mm-hmm. comes up, I'm dying laughing. I'm like, yeah, what? What did we just? I mean, we brought a new character on, but what else did we do this what week? What else like, did we do? Nothing really. <laughs> we, did, you know, it, it was a kind of it was a really funny fourth wall breaking almost line that mm. I, I thought was like probably passed had passed a lot of people by, but um, they also kind of like shoehorn in that the seven of us could run the ship properly and have to point out how they have seven because of the title and because their original plan had different people yeah and we're trying to <laughs> squash it all together and include the well there's six of us but um oh you're forgetting computer. zen <laughs> you're forgetting computer, zen yes yep <laughs> which is uh it's pretty funny yeah, because he's probably the most important one. Let's face mm-hmm. it, he's the one that's actually flying the ship. Right. And t- yeah, so. Yeah. yeah, and I'm just sitting here like, yeah, there, there's not much to talk about in this episode. At not all. a lot. Like, not a lot. I think we've, sadly, I think we've pretty much covered it. But we yeah. end up with Callie, who really, honestly, at the very beginning, isn't that much of a skilled warrior. She, mm-hmm. she is overtaken pretty quickly by Blake. Uh, uh, hopefully, she'll redeem herself in future episodes. It's all bark, no bite to yeah. Callie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we, we, we get another female presence on the on the ship. That's something. Right. So. It's not all dudes, and the the, the, manda- uh, the uh, you know mandatory female li- lead in the cast. So mm-hmm. it's a little bit more stuff to go around here. But yeah, it's yeah this this is kind of yeah the, uh, for three episodes that we're building up to something, and this being probably the the capper of you know building the team. It's. <laughs> A soft epilogue? I don't know. Like, it's more of an epilogue, isn't it? Like, oh yeah, we got to make seven. Well, there's seven. Let's <laughs> go. Let's go. Like, do you know much about like when these people were cast and like? Well, you're not going to appear till our fourth production, but you're on the show. Like, I don't. And I, I, I'm curious why they shot this one second. Uh, maybe it was because they're shooting outside more and thus wanted to take advantage of nicer weather right. before the winter came along. Uh, maybe Jan Chapel as Callie was available here, but not available for the next two episodes after that when, you know, she's not even in them. So maybe they could shoot those then. I don't, maybe the scripts for this were ready before the, I mean, that's often a case of how TV works too. It's like, right. well, this script is ready. Let's go with this one because, uh, you know, we got, we got shooting dates and, and actors are cast and locations are booked. And so, uh, yeah, it, it, it feel, I mean, it's funny. It's, um, Blake seven inherited the production block of uh, Dixon of Dot Green, which was a cop show, which was canceled in like 1976 or something. Okay. And they inhabited the same production block and and shooting schedule, essentially. So, well, we have this sort of schedule, let's, let's, so we'll use that. Completely disregarding that a studio-bound police show 
set in a precinct but not featuring much action is not the same as a <laughs> space opera, which right. is what they're shooting at Blake Seven. So I feel like sometimes the the production is is not at all suited. I think I think they made um, it in six episode blocks, and then another six episode block, and then the third. Uh, 13th episode was its own. I think that's kind of how they made it. It was completely invariant to how they would probably shoot the show uh, from from scratch if they if they were able to plan that. So I think that first season is kind of constricted a little bit by that antiquated BBC production schedule. And I think I think things sort of take a, a different turn for 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 future seasons. But this first one is like a little bit weird in that regard. I have to wonder was was the the bridge area of the Liberator was that from scratch like someone's imagination or was that part of the police precinct refurbished into a because i can see it like dixon of doc green goes disco for this last scene it's like maybe we'll just use that well just the kind of the the levels of the spacing i'm not not so much the exact design but the way it's leveled i'm like i could see that being a (laughs) <laughs> the I lobby of a precinct or something. I don't know if the but, sets ever uh, came over. I know, I know the yeah. studio space, but I mean, BBC Television Center is, uh, has a lot of large studios, yeah. so I think that that was pretty. But I think the location shooting might have been like, you know, obviously, the, I don't think Dixon and Doc Green was going into as many quarries as they no, as no. seven did, but I think maybe they inherited just how just the bookkeeping and everything. It was, it's, uh, okay. yeah, it was, it was a weird right. it was a weird crossover, um, b- basically cramming this this square of a Blake seven production into the circle that was Dixon of Doc green. Um, it, it, it made for some weird, I, I mean, they coped with it pretty well, I thought in that first season, but, uh, but I think there was some strife behind the scenes. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that's interesting. That's a more interesting factoid than we, we were given from the episode this week. So <laughs> we'll go on, we'll go on that. That's why you're right. the experts. You're the experts, <laughs> the, the Blake seven experts. So, uh, all right, Stephen. So please uh, set our course again for Earth. But before we give it to the Federation, uh, where can people keep up with you? Otherwise, your information. You you can find me on Twitter at Legopolis. Uh, also, I'm on Radio Free Scarrow uh, and Lazy Doctor Who these days, and uh, and probably in 2023, the Memory Cheats as well. All these are Doctor Who podcasts uh, that don't mention Blake Seven as much as we do here, which is why I like coming on the show because I get to talk about Blake Seven. Yes, I like to have Steve. I like to take Steven out of his element, let him talk about other things. So that's. So yeah. I got you here. Like Doctor Who actors who appear in yes. that's Doctor Who adjacent things. Um, yeah, you know, uh, it's a Spinal Tap. So we've we've had, yeah. So Stephen's break. That's, that's yeah. what it is. So uh, mm-hmm. for this one, hashtag Blake's six humanoids, one computer. Yep. And I'm on Twitter, Instagram at Brad UHD. Written work on whysoblue.com. There's more from the Brad Peters show uh, on Friday. Is the final capping of the bonus week of summer of '82 at forty. So enjoy uh, Press Maxson, who wrote the jingles for Summer of 82 at 40, and I discussing Olivia Newton-John's physical butt from Old Space. If it takes all my life, I will destroy you, Blake. I will destroy you. I will destroy you. Thank you for listening. The Brandon Peters Show is a Creative Zombie Studios production. Produced by Brad Shoemaker and Brandon Peters. Written and edited by Brandon Peters. Announcer vocals by Jessica Alsman. Theme song by Metavari. Web design and show art by Brad Shoemaker with Brandon Peters. 
All music and clips featured in the episode are property of their respective studios and no infringement is intended. Additional information on this and other episodes at brandonpetershow.com. For any inquiries, press opportunities, or sponsorship, contact mail at brandonpetershow.com. The show is available on Apple Music, Spotify, or anywhere podcasts are found.